Welcome to the Want to Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Francis Tapon. In this episode, I interviewed Luke Homan. He is the founder CEO of a new company called FirstRoot.co. Do you remember the days when people would raise money for their school by selling lemonade and selling cookies or selling some random things like that? In today's modern age, those unique items can now be in the digital format. They are called NFTs. There's another thing that Luke identified is the fact that schools don't teach people how to manage money. So he just figured there's a way that we can increase financial literacy at schools as well as give people a way to help the fundraising at schools by combining the power of NFTs along with the power of education, learning about financial stuff, which is something that I think is gravely lacking because the financial literacy in the United States and in the world is abysmal. And this is a way to tackle that early on when kids are still young and impressionable. Luke, tell us a little bit about the problem that First Root is trying to solve. First Root is trying to tackle financial literacy and civic engagement. We know that in our complex modern society, it is really important to understand how money works. It's also very important for us to change the narrative that is happening right now, where we are seeing increasing polarization between uh, different parts of our society and basically fighting instead of coming together to solve problems. First route is tackling both of these, which means it's a pretty complex goal that we're trying to achieve, but we're doing it with a radically simple and very novel approach known as participatory budgeting. Tell us a little bit more about that. What does that mean? Because I know NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens, is, is maybe plays a role in this solution, but develop that idea. Well, the first thing is you can't really teach money skills without giving kids money to manage. And that's a really fundamental uh, belief system that drives first root. We teach kids how to manage money by giving them actual money to manage. It's not a game. It's not a simulation. It's something tangible. It's something real. The second thing is we can't improve the process or the notion of civic responsibility and becoming involved in our communities without getting kids involved. And again, this is really obvious, but it's really profound. So in participatory budgeting, we go to a school and we give kids control of a sum of money. Now that money doesn't have to be a lot of money. It's somewhere between 2,000 and 10,000 US dollars. Um, of course, you would scale it for different parts of the world, but it's, it's a few thousand dollars. And Francis, that's enough money for the kids to do something meaningful, but it is not so much money that the parents take over and try to control the process. You can imagine if you walked up to a school somewhere in the world and said, here's $100,000, well, the parents would try to take over. They would say they know how to spend the money better than the kids, and it kind of defeats the purpose. We want the kids to learn how to do this. Right, but let me just push back a little bit. To me, that sounds like a lot of money, just a few thousand dollars. Why not a few hundred dollars instead? Or is this thousands of dollars being distributed amongst an entire school? It's thousands of dollars being distributed amongst an entire school. So imagine uh, right now we've got a program going on at Fremont High School in Sunnyvale. They've got about 500 kids in the senior class uh, and the senior class is giving a present to the rest of the school. It's kind of a tradition in that school. 
And they're using participatory budgeting in our platform to decide how to spend $5,000. So when you think about it, it's about $10 a kid for the senior class. And that's, that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Uh, so you can imagine that that would scale to more money for larger schools. That's where the NFTs come in. Okay, explain that. So you, you want to put some money in the hands of kids. And if you start working with schools, one of the things that schools will tell you is, well, we don't have money. And many times they don't. The money that the, the schools have is consumed by infrastructure spending. It's consumed by the necessary salaries for the teachers. It's consumed by the necessary supplies that the school needs and, and kind of maintaining the school. And so there's not really a lot of money left over. So we use NFTs to raise funds for the kids in the school and for the kids themselves. And that's kind of the novel approach. By having a kid create and sell an NFT, we can do two things simultaneously. We can put money in the hands of the kid. So now they've earned something. It's kind of like when a kid is streaming on Twitch. On the Twitch platform, when a kid streams, if they get some followers, uh, they split the fees with Amazon. So let's say they get a follower for five bucks a month, Amazon gets 250, the kid gets 250. So what we're seeing is there, we're seeing the emergence of platforms that can actually benefit kids. Roblox is another uh, great platform for kids. It's a great example of what happens when kids get a chance to be recognized for their creative talents and earn money for their creative talents. I agree with the whole notion because one of the things that frustrates me is that schools typically don't spend any effort, zero, on educating the two fundamental things that every human being needs to know. A, managing money, and B, whether or not to have kids and how to raise them. So everybody <laughs> needs to manage money. Everybody has to decide whether or not to have a family and, and, and how big of a family. Everybody's got to do that. Everybody. And yet schools don't teach either of those two subjects. And there's yet we all have to face it. Instead, they teach us trigonometry, which almost nobody needs. <laughs> so it's, to me, I, I'm kind of baffled sometimes. Give us a practical example of, of how the NFT does something that you can't do without an NFT. In other words, why do you need an NFT? And like, and usually they're unique items. So I'm trying to imagine what this is and how it's priced. Let's think about an NFT and let's talk about some of the challenges of school fundraising. School fundraising right now is predominantly or vastly structured to be highly local, meaning a kid will sell gift wrapping paper or chocolate or cakes or cookies, which means that the source of the buyers, the people who would buy the gift wrapping paper, they're hyper local. They're their, they're their neighbors in the school community. And what happens there, Francis, is we know that American schools are highly inequitable and highly, in a sense, unfair because the schools are funded predominantly through property taxes. So if you live in a wealthy neighborhood because you're wealthy, you're going to have a really good school because you can afford the taxes to pay for a really good school. And if you live in a poorer part of the country, well, you don't have the same property taxes. So the school quality typically is uh, um, lower. So what that that is that inequity is manifested and reflected in the fundraising efforts. 
Imagine you're a kid in Sunnyvale and you want to sell fundraising, you know, raise some money by selling chocolate to your neighbors. Well, you're just going to go door to door, right? Sunnyvale is a super safe American city. You know, I have four kids. I would send them outside and send them door to door. And I have no worries about that because it's a it's a great city. Now, imagine that maybe you live in a different part of the country where it's not so safe for the kids to be outside. Well, now you're not going to be sending your kids outside. So first, they can't raise the same amount of money because they're not having the opportunity to raise the money. And second, the people who live in the community don't have that option to really spend money on overpriced goods. And that's kind of the secret um, laugh among the parents. When the kids do a fundraiser and they're selling something, we all know it's overpriced. We all know that we're spending more money on things that we don't need to spend money on. So again, only wealthy people do it. What an NFT does is it levels the playing field. And this is what we want DeFi to do. This is what we want uh, the modern world of cryptography, uh, cryptocurrencies, et cetera, to do. We want them to create opportunity. And this gives a chance to create opportunity because now when a student has a creative insight or a creative spark, they can sell their NFT to an internet audience instead of the local audience. And that's something that an NFT can do that a traditional fundraising project simply can't even imagine. Okay, I understand that so far, but where I'm kind of stumbling is why would anybody want to buy a, a sold NFT? So let's say I buy an NFT for one of these projects, right? Yep. And I own it. Yes. Uh, and now I say for whatever reason I want to sell it because I think it's a either, but who would buy it from me and what benefit does a school get? Do they get a percentage of sure. the secondary sale? I love the fact that you're kind of teasing out the business model. So in the vast majority of cases in YouTube, People are posting in their channels and no one's watching the you no one's watching the videos, right? We all know that content platforms have a very long tail. There's a ton of people who make content that isn't viewed very much, and there's a few people who make content that's viewed a lot. So let's say that you found an NFT that you liked, and by buying this NFT, you knew that you were benefiting a school you were benefiting a student in the process. So you bought that NFT. Now, I think in the vast majority of cases for first route, that's probably where the transaction stops. It's a person now owns an asset that they found intrinsically beautiful or intrinsically valuable, and they don't want to sell it. And they know that they helped a kid and a, uh, a school. But let's say that you're one of the lucky people who got the first voice recording of the first song of the next Justin Bieber, where right now, when in, in the current world, Justin Bieber got famous by posting videos for free on YouTube. Well, what if he didn't have to post videos for free? What if we actually treated him like the wonderful creative artist that he is, and now when you had you you found him on our website and you said, "Wow, I really like this song. I think this is a pretty good kid." I'm oh wait, I if I buy this song for fifty bucks or thirty bucks, I, I'm gonna actually help the kid out. 
some money goes right into that kid's pocket and it goes right into the school. Yeah, I'll buy it for 30 or 50 bucks. And then that child becomes famous and you resell that NFT because it's an early version of their music. Well, we've written the smart contracts and we'll be writing the smart contracts such that that child still gets a royalty and so does the school. So smart contracts can be written to manage royalty payments throughout the sale and resale of the NFT. So if someone were to also agree that it was valuable and if they were to buy it from you, the student or the creative person who created who who generated that and the school continue the benefit. Got it. It's not a nonprofit, correct? No, 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 no. We are a for-profit. So in this chain, we'll take a percentage uh, for transaction processing, just like any other NFT platform would. Right. If somebody wants to get involved with First Root, what would you advise them to do? I would advise them to go to firstroot.co. We have a platform right now for participatory budgeting in schools. They can start with that. We have not yet launched our NFT fundraising platform, so they can get started now with the participatory budgeting component. And then they can join in and work with us as we develop the NFT fundraising component. Okay, so I know a few teachers. I mean, what does the uh, the PB or participatory uh, budget program entail? At this point, because we don't have the fundraising built, the teachers will need to secure a few hundred to a few thousand dollars from the school principal or from teachers like a parent teacher association or from their local Rotary. So Rotary is a global organization I'm a member of the Rotary, and the Rotary has sponsored several schools. So you would want to look at the different sources of funding to get the program started. Uh, but it typically is not hard to get a few hundred to a few thousand dollars. And then from there, once they have that, they can then run a pilot program? Yes, absolutely. And this is where the process kicks in, known as participatory budgeting. So I want to I want all the listeners to know that when we say we're putting money in the hands of kids, it doesn't mean that we're walking up to the kids, handing them some money and walking away. That's not a very effective way to teach children. So what we do in our software is we have a five phase process in phase one. It's called discovery. And the students go into the school and they discover opportunities to make their school better. They talk with teachers they talk with kids, and they get some ideas. The next phase is the dream phase. In the dream phase, the kids create ideas and proposals. And these can be pretty big. They can, you know, it's kind of like open-ended thinking. It may be a little silly. It may be outlandish, but it's divergent thinking. In the design phase, those students shape their ideas and evolve them into very specific proposals. So let's say in the dream phase, the students said, we want to get more equipment for our football team. And in the design phase, they would enumerate the specific equipment they need. Do they need nets for the goals? Do they need more balls? Do they need the field or repainted? Do they need uh, more um, uh, jugs for holding water during the game? So the students would develop a very specific proposal of how they want to spend the money. In the decide phase, those items are put on a voting ballot and the kids vote. And now we have a chance to talk about the civic engagement part. And we talk about voting and how voting works. 
And then finally, the teachers look at the results, they ratify the results, and then they purchase the items that the kids chose and they implement them in the school. Interesting. And this is already available now, correct? Yeah, this part of our platform is available now. But in the end, you hope to implement the NFT and the other fundraising mechanisms in 2023? Yes. Good. Remind people before we close uh, how to find out a little bit more if they want to get involved. Go to the website, www.firstroot.co. And if you look at our platform tab, you'll see a number of videos uh, all less than two minutes that describe our platform and describe each phase that I just uh, gave an overview on. We also have a really wonderful and very rich support website at support.firstroot.co. And that support website provides templates for parents to get their teachers involved. It provides email templates for the teachers to send to other teachers or perhaps the school principal or the school administration. So there's lots of ways to help people get involved. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F-Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F-Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.